Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome back to another episode of Friends from Work. Yes. A podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and, ever so often, things beyond the Marvel Cinematic oh. Universe. <laughs> oh. I see what you did there. Yeah, see? Which Work is, the title in. Which is why we're here today. We are taking a bit of a, of a week break here leading into Age of Ultron. We'll also have an episode later this week sort of wrapping up our Phase 2 and a saga so far as we head into that movie. Uh, but before we do that, Kyle and I wanted to take a second and talk about something that is pretty much not Marvel-related at all. I think we can spin it in a way that our listeners might still like this a little bit, you know? So right. a lot of major franchises this year came to a close. Isn't that weird? Game of Thrones, it was uh, Avengers, Star Wars. and now Star Wars. Yeah, right. it was a big year. Big year for for ending things. No doubt. And... As some listeners might be able to tell from some of my previous episodes, I am a diehard Star Wars fanatic. Robbie likes them, right? But you're yeah. not as in, maybe? Yeah, my dad, pretty early on, um, made it clear to me that we were a Star Trek family over a Star <laughs> so, Wars family. <laughs> so that was like a rivalry early on. Right, and then, you know, so I, I watched all the movies as they came out. I've enjoyed them all. Like, I feel like I, I felt everything, but it was never... I would never have described myself uniquely as a Star Wars fan, if that makes sense. But listeners, before you shut this off, I want to give three Marvel-related leftovers, and then you have my permission, okay? So one, one, Iron Man 3 episode, we laughed at the science of electrifying the hand to when they're doing the barrel of monkeys scene, you right, know? Right, right, right. My wife, who's a physical therapist, she works in the medical field, told me that that's apparently pretty sound. Huh. I don't know that it would stop them from falling out of a plane, but some some jargon about our muscles do run on small bits of electricity and that you can get them to seize up and blah, blah, blah. So it's like a real thing. Thought that was interesting. I like that. Secondly, on the Winter Soldier episode that aired last week, I just want to say I was listening to the episode back and I thought, man, Chris Evans, in a way, kind of owes a thank you, I think, to the Russo brothers, kind of in a similar way that... Chris Hemsworth owes a thank you to Taika Waititi for Thor Ragnarok. I Interesting. think in different ways, his character made almost as big of a shift as Thor did in that movie. Obviously not goofy. Right. Just they took him a long ways and kind of like fundamentally changed how we view Captain America. And in my opinion, a way cooler, like more badass Captain America. Sure. Sure. So you know what's interesting about that is I wonder how much the Russo brothers changed or or didn't change uh, Marcus and McFeely's original vision for Cap's arc. 
you know, since they did write all of the cat movies. Right. Well, and, you know, we said this in the episode, but it's a very good thing. Like, it's not like, like they still honored. Right, right. The old cap, you know, but it just gets pushed a long ways down the road. Yeah. We'll just probably have to get him on the podcast and ask him about it. It's the yeah, only way. No doubt. No doubt. Last leftover. I'm just making this an announcement, so I'm fully transparent. Um, I am going to move my Avengers episode from 94 to 91 score-wise, and it's going to flip-flop with Iron Man. I've said this multiple times in the podcast. I'm re-watching these all with my dad, and I'm having so much fun again. <laughs> so this is like, you know, dual timeline, alternate reality re-watches for me. But... Multiverse. I'm not going to, yeah, I'm not going to get, yeah, multiverse. I'm not going to get into all the specifics, but I'm just going to flip flop those two, I think. Okay. I just think Iron Man's a touch more sound in hindsight. Yeah. Just a touch more. Yeah. I've been going back and, and, and watching a few as well um, over the break with some folks. And it is, it's funny how each watch you kind of pick up on different things and have different reactions. But, you know, you're the transparent one. I'm just back here moving things in the <laughs> right. background and never going to tell it. anybody about it. <laughs> Isn't it fun how we both love to live vicariously through people who have never seen these movies before? Oh, yeah. Like watching them with someone who has never seen the movies before is so fulfilling. I'm almost more watching my dad's reactions right. than I am even like the movie. <laughs> right. Oh, it's like 70% me just watching the person's face. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like when he has a huge realization of something, it makes me so happy. I'm like, <laughs> oh, yes, that's what I was like when I did that. <laughs> Okay, so listeners, first of all, we love you. Thanks for listening. Second of all, this episode from here on out is going to be about Star Wars, and we are going to tie it into Endgame. However, it is spoiler-ridden. There are spoilers all over this. So yeah. if you care about Star Wars and you haven't seen the movie, don't listen to this. Shut it off now. If you don't care about Star Wars, maybe shut it off now too because it's going to be all Star Wars talk. Yeah, But fair. if you've seen Rise of Skywalker and you love Star Wars like I do and like Robbie does, then I think this will be fun. Okay, so I don't want to dive into all of the specifics about Rise of Skywalker as if this is a normal rewatch episode. Sure. I kind of just want to take a bigger look at this because it's been a fascinating culture study to watch this new trilogy unfold. Oh, yeah. Oh no, totally. That's why I was excited to do this episode. Is it these there's something about the Star Wars franchise that really gets people riled up and reveals a lot about just entertainment, film culture in general, I think. I know, it's insane. So, this is my contention. I think that most people fall into one of two categories. Okay. Almost everybody, critics and fans loved episode 7, The Force Awakens. Right. And then about half of those people hated episode eight, The Last Jedi. And if you hated episode eight, you loved episode nine, Rise of Skywalker. Or you are more like the critics and you loved eight and you hated nine. And here's what's interesting for me, Robbie. I didn't love seven, but I liked both eight and nine. So I don't fall, I feel like, into either category, which is what spurred me into talking about this. Right. You're a real freak. <laughs> real freak. <laughs> so just let me give a little bit of background real quick about the new trilogy, okay? Right, right, right. When Force Awakens was coming out, I was as amped for that movie at the time as I had been for anything because it was a whole new fresh take on Star Wars, something that I had only gotten to enjoy as a little kid, which kind of at the time I missed the boat on the originals, right? So all I really had sure. was the prequels for my era. And so I was super pumped about this. 
I went into episode seven with unbelievably high expectations. And about two hours into the movie, I was like, this is fun, but when is this going to become a movie? I'm, I'm, I'm two mm. hours in, and it's the exact same as all the other Star Wars. And I guess I started thinking, like, I want something different from Star Wars. Like, I, I didn't want a remake of Star Wars. Right. I want... I want new plot devices. I want I want new planets. I want new things, new ships. And I'm not going to go into all of the reasons why I felt that way, but just really rapid fire. Like, one, you have a new empire. Just 30 years later, it looks like almost identical to the old empire, right? right? Like, you right. have Kylo Ren, who's trying to be Darth Vader in a similar mask. You have another Death Star. The planets are sand planet, grassy planet, snowy planet. <laughs> Literally a remake of the three originals. Right. Um, you have similar ships. You have a lack of embracing the new characters and obsession with the old nostalgia. Now, I love the nostalgia. I love sure. seeing the money in Falcon and all that. And so it's not all bad. I really did enjoy most of the film, but I kept just waiting for it to like be something different. And when they finally announced Starkiller Base as a new Death Star, and then they blew it up in the same movie that they announced it right. for the third time, <laughs> third time, <laughs> I was kind of like, man, I want this to be a new thing. Okay, so moving forward off that, I went into Last Jedi going like, please just give me something new. Please just give me something new. Well, guess what? I got something extremely new in The Last Jedi. I'm in the middle of Last Jedi watching this going, this is bold plot point after bold plot point. It's a new yeah. unique take. It's a new uh, take on a character. It's a new pushing forward of a planet. It's all new creatures. It's it's clever plot twists that I couldn't predict. It was not about a star-killing base. Um, so I left the theater loving it. I left the theater at the time and I said, that's the best Star Wars movie I've ever seen. I called some friends that I always call, just like I do with Robbie for Avengers, <laughs> right? So I have a scheduled call with a different friend. And I went on a 30-minute thing about how I love the movie. After 30 minutes of saying that, Robbie, he said, I hated it. And he went on for an hour saying all the things he hated about it. Well, that became a very common thing for me. Oh, yeah. I ended up having to argue for The Last Jedi to multiple, multiple people. I probably argued for The Last Jedi against people that hated it, not just disliked it, hated it. Oh, for, yeah. I bet 15 hours of my life was spent <laughs> discussing it with these people, and I just could not believe that you could hate it. Yeah, I feel like The Last Jedi was such an interesting moment because I, again, as someone that's like wasn't quite as emotionally invested, I remember going to see The Force Awakens and enjoying it at the time. Like, I remember walking out and my wife and I were both like, oh, that was really fun. And it was. Like, it's it's sort of like getting all your toys back out of the toy box kind of a thing with a few new inclusions with Ray and Finn and Poe. And it was like a fun, just kind of classic, almost like Spielberg feel-good kind of adventure movie. And I didn't see it, I don't think, again... And then I went and saw Last Jedi and loved The Last Jedi and simultaneously realized how boring Force Awakens actually was. And I kind of feel like a lot of people had that reaction because you were right initially when you were saying like Force Awakens was at the time critically acclaimed and audiences loved it because I think everybody was kind of wrapped in the warmth of the nostalgia 
at the time. Which I, I do think we have to pause and say that is a benefit of the movie. Like, they did have a huge task. Oh, sure, sure. There's a part of him that has to play into the nostalgia and almost remake Star Wars for a generation that hadn't seen right. it. And that's why I think it, it doesn't age terribly well is because that movie works for people that are anticipating the return of something. Now that it's returned... And it's, you know, it's sort of a double standard. It's not really fair to J.J. Abrams. But now that it's back, I think we sort of take that for granted maybe and look back and it's like, yeah, but like, you know, the way you brought it back was pretty on the nose. But regardless, the reason I bring this up is I think that it took The Last Jedi, for better or for worse, to cause people to really take sides on Force Awakens, which I think originally was a pretty, like, well-loved movie. And then in the aftermath of that, <laughs> battle lines were drawn like in a very real way. <laughs> they were so drawn. If you're listening to this, you probably already know this, but The Last Jedi was so polarizing. So like on Rotten Tomatoes, I think Force Awakens has like 93% critic and 92% audience. I mean, pretty much universally love, like we said. And then when The Last Jedi came out, it had like 91 or 92% critic beforehand. And I was like, oh my gosh, right. yes. That's amazing. And then the audience score is, is super right. low. Now, that's a, I think it's like 55 or 50%. And now that's affected by those bots. And I'm not going to get into this, but there was dumb things right. done. But so it's not that low, but it is lower. So that's my background on seven and eight. And I know I talked a <laughs> lot already, Robbie, but I just want, I want to finish this point because I think it yeah, matters. Yeah. So I got so burned out from talking about episode eight that my expectations before nine were so low. In fact, I just, it's not that I thought the movie was going to be bad. I just didn't care anymore. Like, and I think a lot of people in the Star Wars franchise felt that yeah. because Solo, for example, bombed, relatively speaking, at the box right. office. And I think part of it was like, there's just a fatigue, like not a superhero fatigue. There was a Star <laughs> Wars fatigue over how polarizing it was. So, like, I have to reiterate, I wasn't fatigued because I thought the movies were bad. I was fatigued because other people hated them so much. Right. Like you're in the minority so much, it feels. And then combine that with my love for Avengers was growing and growing and growing. At the same time, all these amazing Avengers stories are coming right. out, which is why we're doing this podcast in the first place. And so that <laughs> kind of took over. Well, so I went into nine, uh, Rise of Skywalker with expectations really low, and I loved it. I really did. I left the theater and I really, really liked it. I don't know that it's as good of a movie like plot-wise as The Last Jedi, but it was fun. And I didn't feel like it fully reversed all the things in The Last Jedi. Like I was afraid it was going to yeah. because of the fan reaction. And we can get into the specifics of that, but I just wanted to quick give you my overarching background on all three of them. So that led me to think to myself, these movies are so polarizing. Why do we watch Star Wars films, Robbie? Like what, what do we want out of a Star Wars film? Wow. Because I think if you want the toy box, like play with the toys, it's fun to see the old characters. Like you grew up a fan of the originals. You dressed as Luke Skywalker for Halloween. And I'm not making fun. I'm saying if you were like, you know, right. if these movies are like worshipped to you, I think there's part of you that just wants to see the same story again. Right. Like you, you kind of don't want them to do something different. Is that fair? Which is why I think yeah. some people really like The Force Awakens. And well, and again, like to give... J.J. Abrams has due, he's coming off of a largely despised prequel trilogy that I think one of the biggest issues there was an inability to recapture a lot of the tone of the original trilogy. I mean, there are a lot of other issues. We can get into specifics if we want, but I think that people that really loved the kind of 
interplay between Luke and Han and Leia, like, and the sort of like, you know, we're, we're rogues fighting through the galaxy. Like there wasn't a ton of that in the prequel trilogy. And so I, I do think JJ was like really trying to, like he leaned into the original stuff and like, you know, the original beats, because I think he was like, I really need to help people rediscover what I think Star Wars should feel like. And I feel like the reason like diehard, diehard Star Wars fans really connected to The Force Awakens is is because it sort of felt like, you know, they they had been in the wilderness, so to speak, you know, for, for the last three movies and were kind of being brought back into what they had originally fallen in love with. Okay, but pause there. Because I think that you're correct in that assessment. And I think that's what J.J. Abrams was trying to do. But while doing that, I think he missed a part of the equation, which is that when Star Wars originally came out, it was so innovative and it was so new, this this massive imagination it took to come up with planets and ships and creatures and, and like George Lucas had this vision for it. And this is a hot take, okay? But the prequels are terrible. This is not hot take. <laughs> the prequels <laughs> are terrible when it comes to acting and dialogue. Like the screenplay, the writing is 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 atrocious. I mean, it's like and special if, effects. In the special effects, if you go back and watch it now, it's jaw dropping. Some of the decisions they would make. By the way, Revenge of Sith is way better. So I'm I'm kind of a little bit excluding that, but the first two, especially, so right. bad. However. This is the hot take part. The prequels, I think, were really good plot-wise. It actually told a really sound story of how the Empire could come to be, and there was nothing about the prequels that was uh, reimagined. It was all fresh. Right. Like, fresh plot points, fresh takes. So... George Lucas was so bad at writing the screenplay, but I think he has a point a little bit with what he was trying to do on the imagination side of it. And that's what's interesting about J.J. Abrams' Force Awakens is that while playing into the like chemistry of the originals and trying to get the original feel of Star Wars back, he got that with the old characters and the nostalgia, which I love, but he missed the imagination and pushing us forward part of it. I think one of the interesting things about, about Star Wars for me is, yeah, like when you go back, I was talking to to my brother-in-law about this the other day, who's uh, actually a film professor and a big Star Wars fan. And we were just talking about like, yeah, like a lot of the acting, even some of the writing, even some of the like, like the cuts, like the directorial decisions in the original trilogy, like are, they have some some pretty big issues if you look at them objectively as movies. Oh, right? for like, sure. Oh, for sure. But but how do you separate those movies from the impact that they had on blockbusters <sighs> right. in general and on Hollywood and on fandom? And I think that's the core of what makes this so controversial is it's like right. part of me thinks you can never truly satisfy right. anybody with a Star Wars movie Right, because even even if you were to make a movie that was exactly like one of the original trilogy movies, I'm not sure that that would be a good movie. It would still get criticized for acting and dialogue, some of the stuff for sure. Right, you know what I mean? Like, and I'm not I'm not dogging those at all because I, no. I love those movies, but I think you know what I'm saying. Well, that's and that's why I come back to the reason it was so big was because of the things I mentioned earlier. The imagination, the epicness of it, the, this epic tale of good versus evil where everything was fresh and new, you know? So that's right. why 
to me, that's what Star Wars stands for, <laughs> as cheesy as that sounds. So yeah. it's like you don't like you're saying, you don't go back and watch the Star Wars for the acting. That's not what you're like right. watching Star Wars for. So when a new Star Wars is coming out in episode seven, I just wanted him to embrace new things. And here's why I'm beating this dead horse about episode seven, which was four years ago. It's because <laughs> I do think it affects how you watch eight and nine. Seven is what set us up with the tools we have to play with now for eight and nine, right? right so right. eight and nine are now a little bit tethered to what seven does. So I love The Last Jedi. I know people hated it. And some of the things they hated about it, I would argue, I'm a, and I'm going to stay calm here because I know some people are really passionate about this, but I would argue <laughs> that some of your hate is misplaced on episode eight and should be directed towards episode seven if you hate anything at all. First of all, I'm also an optimist, so just like things in general. Like, I, like <laughs> just like things, okay? Just enjoy life a little bit. Lighten up, everybody. Like, it's ridiculous what they did to Ryan Johnson. It's unbelievable, okay? So just oh, lighten man, up. Oh, man, yeah. Okay, but second of all, Luke is a huge contention point for Last Jedi, right? People, again, right. that grew up worshiping Luke hated that he was jaded and had failed because that's not the Luke they knew. I would argue, when have we ever seen Luke be the most powerful Jedi ever? We've never seen that, okay? Right. We've never seen that at all. In fact, he was trained at an old age, too old to be trained. He was never fully trained. His training got cut off. Then he went on to fail, it's impossible to watch the entire Star Wars franchise and not realize that the Jedi have had a lot of failure. Right. Okay? So he would be a little bit jaded at this point. And this is a little bit like the fat Thor thing, you know? Like, right. I know that it, you kind of want Luke Skywalker to face down the whole First Order with a lightsaber and throw walkers around with the Force, but we just have never been given any indication that that's true. And... Just like with Fat Thor and his depression, I think this is actually the more logical response to his story. Right. And here's the thing. If you're mad about his treatment of how he was bitter and had failed, or you're mad that he was in hiding, episode seven is the movie that said he was in hiding. Right. Ryan Johnson was not the one that said he was in hiding. Like, why else right. would he be literally hiding from everybody in the entire universe on a planet so obscure that they had to get two droids maps to put together just to find where it even is? You think he was just doing that because he wanted to be found? He was playing an exaggerated game of hide and seek? And like, once he found him, he was going to go, oh, thank you. That's fun. Now I'm going to go fight everybody. I love the line where he even says, what did you think? I was going to walk in there with one laser sword? Like, I don't know why people right. hate that plot point other than he was an untouchable character to you in your childhood. Does that make sense? That's what I think it is. Yeah, I mean, I've talked to friends that, again, are big Star Wars fans that say that they were hoping after Force Awakens that Luke was on that island for some specific purpose, that he was in, you know, like, fulfilling some kind of role as, like, you know, the ultimate Jedi, and that's why he had to be there. But again, like... But that's what I love about episode eight, diving into more complex, more steak and potatoes type plots or themes like failure and how it can be a teacher. Right. Right. And, and you can't just run from it and regret everything. Yeah. Like and live in bitterness. And yeah. that's what the movie is exploring, which I love. And, and that actually brings me to maybe my, my hot take for the episode, which is whenever I was watching... Uh, back through to get ready for Rise of Skywalker, I finished The Last Jedi 
the day that I was going to go see Rise of Skywalker in theaters, right? And as I'm watching the last scene and then see the credits roll on The Last Jedi, I actually thought to myself, this is a perfect ending. Like, I, I, I love sort of the, the ambiguity of this movie. I love the fact that it addresses and, and like sits in the like reality of failure, like what you're saying. And the fact that that's like, it's not just a, a reality, but it's, it's something that like we have to embrace on some level. I thought it was so, it was so nuanced. It was the most beautiful Star Wars movie, I think, in terms of kind of the work that it's trying to do and the message that it's giving. And, and I was just thinking like, I know that there were still some, there were some story things that you could argue were left, you know, un- addressed. But I also think that this idea of like, yeah, you know, there's always going to be good. There's always going to be evil. And there are always going to be forces kind of aligning on either side of that line. But then there's also just like within that, there's a lot of, there's a lot of grace and, and there's a lot of gray. And I just thought it was like a, a really powerful and really interesting way to end this whole thing that felt fitting. And that also probably colors my you know, less positive reaction to Rise of Skywalker. Okay, still with Last Jedi before we move on. I agree with everything you're saying. That's what I love. I don't know if the franchise needed to end there, but I do agree with your points, specifically about the gray, right? The gray area instead of black and white. That was another point of contention for some people is that, you know, that like Finn and Rose did that whole side trip with Poe undercover trying to do the right thing and it failed. And they're like, well, that's a waste of time. But that's my point is there's so much failure in the movie that I liked. Not everything is always going to go perfectly. Like Poe tries to go his own route and it fails. Finn and Rose try to do their own thing and it fails. Other people fail. Luke fails. Like that, I love that idea that it can be a teacher, right? A great teacher. So I I just don't agree with that part of it either. Like, again, there's some problems with the movie, okay? There's some pacing issues. There's some parts I wouldn't have included. But on a major scale, I just think the hate is a little misguided. Another thing that people hated about this was we saw the Force do things we've never seen before with the tethering between Rey and Kylo Ren. I would argue that most Star Wars movies introduce these new things with the Force, like the prequels introduced midi-chlorians and we introduced force ghosts that we had never seen before. Like, why can't the force evolve? Well, like, why Why right. is there such a hard, fast set rule in your mind that you won't change it? Right. And if you weren't okay with the force tethering, why are you now okay with raising the force to heal people? That's new. Right. That's weird to me. Yeah, no, I think you're right. And I think that is one of the one of the the hard things is it's like whenever we we suddenly arbitrarily lock something in as like this is it like no new additions when like at the time you know all the additions were welcome and then you just suddenly kind of draw a line and say well no i mean and that's why i think again the moment that and i don't know we can get into this a bit later but i think the moment that disney made the call for force awakens to be you know, episode seven of the, I guess, Skywalker saga. Instead of a they, new theme, a new trilogy. Right, right. Like, ra- yeah, rather than like episode one of something else or, or whatever you'd want to call it. In some ways, they, you know, back themselves into something of a corner. I'm not saying it, it was a corner that they were never going to get out of. And I think you can argue that they, you know, handled it really well. 
but I think that it did, it, it creates some issues inherently that I'm not sure you're going to be able to overcome to satisfy okay, so everyone. That's another thing I didn't love about seven was that seven, you say to yourself, well, that's just what Star Wars is. Well, no, you could have set us up in a totally different way. Like, what if they didn't have a new empire? What if it was just the Knights of Ren, like wreaking havoc? Or, or like, there's right. other things they could have done. My favorite part about seven, eight, and nine was Kylo Ren and Rey. And I, I did love how, you know, in Star Wars, you have you probably have the most famous villain of all time in anything in Darth Vader, right? Like, it's arguable he's the most famous villain for anything ever, and and he's the most right. put together villain. From the get-go, like in the original trilogy, when you see him, he always walks. He's terrifying to look at. He chokes people. Like he's all-powerful from the very beginning. And so I don't think that when J.J. Abrams started episode seven, he could come up with a villain that's even better than that, like even more put together, right? So I did love how something new that we had never seen before that seven and eight really embrace, actually seven, eight, and nine all embrace, is that it's a growth of not only a hero in Rey, but a villain in Kylo Ren. So I like that we see a very like immature right. version of both of them. And then episode eight takes that and grows it. And I think that was the point of Snoke and the Force. It's not that you need to know about Snoke. There's always, people are so mad that we don't know anything about Snoke. Well, guess what? There's always been Sith. Well, now we kind oh, of We do, do now, but, but there's always been Sith that we didn't know about. Like, you don't know that much about Darth right. Maul, but you loved him. Like, right. there's always been people we don't, know about. So the point was Ryan Johnson used Snoke as a plot device to grow Kylo Ren into the Supreme Leader, not Snoke. So it's a growth of a villain. And and that's what I loved. Like, it's weird for me that you would hate that. You already have Darth Vader. Go watch it if you want to. Right. The Ray and Kylo, um, both those characters and their relationship, not just their love relationship, I mean, but I mean, their relationship throughout the three movies is what kept me loving these movies. Right. And so it's weird to me that when we finally got a movie in episode eight that said, you know what? Let the past die. Let the old things die. Let's move on from Luke and Han and Leia. Let's move on from them and embrace these new characters. People hated it. And that's that's crazy to me. Like, what do we... Go watch well, the originals then. Right, I'm sorry right. I'm getting mad, but... No, 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 no. And, and, and again, everything you're saying about, about episode eight, and we can get into episode nine here, is yeah, at some point, sorry. Is, well, no, but but a lot of that is, and I I do respect that you enjoy both. For me, well, because I I, th- I think we have to cover eight this much because it affects so much of your perception of nine. It does. No, 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 no totally. But but to me, I just I can't. I I did not I did not hate Rise of Skywalker. I I do think that a lot of what I loved in the Last Jedi, I. It was not necessarily undone, but I think was, you know, moved away from in ways that were disappointing to me. And Okay, so, so okay, let's let's get there then. Let's get there. Right. Let's get okay. into nine. Now we're in Rise of Skywalker world. I have to also give one other disclaimer. The visuals in Star Wars, by the way, are just right. unbelievable next level. Like in The Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, there's just some unbelievable looking things that I, I just love. And that gets me amped no matter what. So oh, I totally like, agree with you, you there. Know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I, 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 and you know, we can get into this because you and I agree on on Last Jedi, and I think largely agree on Rise of Skywalker. But like something you just said, one of the things that I that I loved is that it's you know you're getting the sense that that Snoke is like the new Emperor, right from the Force Awakens, or you know at least the new like Sith Lord, and so you're gonna have basically another Emperor Vader scenario. 
play out across the three movies. And I loved that Ryan Johnson, rather than like allowing us to march through the same kind of tired beats, best twist ever, totally pulled the rug out from under us. Yeah, best and twist ever. Like to your point, like yeah, let's have let's have something new and let's have. Kylo Ren kind of ascend, and I really liked the way that Last Jedi ended that way, and he goes into this rage, and th- and that's what I mean whenever I say, not that the saga should have ended there, but I would have been happy with the note that it left, where yes, it's like, right, okay, well, right. like, you know, but what I didn't like is that very, like, right out of the gate in Rise of Skywalker, it's like, nope, just kidding, he's actually subservient to the actual original Emperor, and so to me, it felt like all that, like, all that work that we had seen done of him kind of like his own self-discovery, the fact that he doesn't have to be the apprentice to some kind of shadowy figure that he's sort of like redefining his role felt like okay, it was, okay, it was okay, totally okay, a race. Okay, okay, okay. First of all, the the scene we're referencing in The Last Jedi is one of the coolest Star Wars scenes maybe ever. <laughs> I mean, when he's closing his eyes saying, he now strikes down his one true enemy. And then the twist of him turning the lightsaber with the force and killing him that quickly. So, yeah. so cool. And then them fighting together. So cool. Then you get the whole emotional core of him saying, you're nobody, but you're somebody to me, to Ray, and she's crying. And it's just, it's just all the Ray Kylo interactions are the best thing about the new trilogy. I, I love it so much. It's so well oh, yeah. acted. If it wasn't specifically Daisy Ridley playing Ray, I don't know that I'd feel as strongly about it. But I right. she does such an unbelievable job. I am like I just love both of them, Adam Driver and, and like that couldn't have been cast better. Their dialogue is so yeah. much better than any Star Wars movie ever. Like it's not close visually, it's not close. So all that stuff's amazing. Okay, going into nine, see, but that's my point is like I don't know that I felt like it reversed the Last Jedi as much as you did. Okay, let's start with Emperor Palpatine. I don't love that Emperor Palpatine's alive, and this is where Star Wars needed a Kevin Feige. That's my contention. It needed somebody. Right caretaking the entire thing to make sure it all flows. Because my biggest contention with Emperor Palpatine is that why didn't they hint him ever, Robbie? If this was the point all along, like if this is like a Spectre vibe where, from James Bond where someone's behind the scenes pulling the strings, we should have got some hint. Again, right. in Force Awakens, like just, you don't have to make it obvious, but give us like a line or like give us some plan. And here's my point. You didn't have a plan. That was them right. trying to reverse the polarized nature of Last Jedi. That's my theory. Like, J.J. Abrams and Disney said, wow, some fans hated this so much that we have to go back and change some things. But, Robbie, where you and I differ is that I don't feel like it changed as much as I think you did. Yeah, well, like, and I like that Kylo Ren is going to kill the Emperor. He's not serving him. Yeah, that's a good point. That's, that's a good where point. you're and, wrong and- with that, I think. It's a threat to his power, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's fair. I'll I'll walk that back. I think for me, the presence of the emperor is somewhat problematic. At the same time, I, it's hard for me to know exactly what's gone on here because you see different you see different interviews, and you never know how many people are kind of like coloring the past versus actually reporting what had gone on. From what I've read from J.J. Abrams, I've gotten the sense that he maybe always hoped that the story would end here, but because he wasn't originally set to direct. This last movie, I think he was just kind of basically setting the stage and then whatever Ryan Johnson, whatever Colin Trevorrow wanted to do, they could do. And then whenever the third movie director slot opened up again, I think J.J. Abrams, from what I've read, was like, oh, you know, I can kind of do what I had sort of hoped would happen. And and he didn't feel like, you know, then Ryan Johnson's movie had Then why didn't he say anything that. in Seven? 
Why didn't he say anything in seven? I think I think it's because I, I don't know. I think it's because he was trying to you know leave things open in case each person wanted to do their own thing. Which I guess you you know if you look at for instance if you look at Force this is I think this is the strange thing if you look at Force Awakens and you look at the Last Jedi you see two very different approaches to like the same characters within like the same overarching narrative. And it's it's easy for me to imagine, okay, here's a third director, third movie, third approach, and you know, maybe it maybe it ties all of the stuff up from the from the earlier two, maybe it doesn't. We you know, that's not worth talking about. But my point is by having JJ return in a way that I don't think he ever intended to, I it just it creates some weird things because he wants to honor the the movie that he did specifically while like also trying to deal with this one in the middle. And it's like, because originally I think J.J. Abrams, from what I've read, had been offered the entire trilogy. He, he was, that's for, I can confirm that. Yep. And didn't because at I think the he was time, still in the though, middle of Star a, Trek. Yes, I was gonna say at the time he was right. also doing a Star Trek trilogy and I think it was just a lot. Sure. Um, but I think it's I just, I think it is just really strange to only do, you know, one and three Super or, strange. you know, in this case, seven and nine. And and so that's my point. It's like, I think had he done that, I I like to think he probably would have set up Palpatine in seven. That said... But it, it, they still could have done a Thanos thing where, I mean, we saw Thanos eight years before. Yeah, but again, I just don't know. Like, I, I think that was the weird thing. And I, I don't think that this is J.J. Abrams' fault as much as I think it's, you know, maybe whoever it was... <laughs> was overseeing or should have been overseeing these movies as a whole. Um, yeah, well, and 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 just even some of the practical nature of him being alive is wonky. Like, and like, that's what I mean. Speaking like, of, but then why did you hate the Last Jedi and give Rise of Skywalker a pass on some of these things? Like, and that's my contention is I liked both of them because I was I was going into Rise of Skywalker with a very low bar because I'd been burned out and I was afraid from what I had read that they were going to reverse everything from The Last Jedi. And I kind of watched it. I'm like, well, okay, The Emperor's back. Once I got over that, I could still enjoy the movie. Again, my justification would be at least Kylo's trying to kill him and overthrow him, not serve him. Um, they did reverse Ray's parents, but I was so thankful that it was a Palpatine. I thought that was a very interesting twist instead of it being a Skywalker or a Kenobi. And I love that instead of fully erasing the idea that anybody can be a Jedi, anyone can be special, which is what the last Jedi talked about. They didn't fully reverse that by saying she was a Palpatine because at the end, I liked how she adopted the Skywalker name, which kind of led us to believe that that theory still exists. We're like, you can almost defeat your bloodline and be adopted into the Jedi way, if you will. Sure. So I don't think it fully reversed the three main things, right? So I think I was just pleasantly surprised that it wasn't a full retcon. Another thing I really loved is that Luke didn't come back like alive in some way or um, like fighting as a force ghost or something. Right. They didn't fully reverse Luke. They just, they kept him on the trajectory of he was very helpful and he has learned from his failure and now he's going to guide Ray going forward. Like I liked that. No, I agree. And, and I, like, I feel like they handled that well. And, and to clarify what I meant, in my my Palpatine diatribe earlier is I was just saying that like what what you're saying the way they bring him back like the mechanics of that felt a little wonky to me where I, I guess it's like if J.J. Abrams 
had had the whole trilogy, I think he maybe would have given us some good foreshadowing. But guess what? He didn't. So he didn't. But my point is, given that, I still like, okay, giving J.J. Abrams all the benefit of the doubt, I wish that coming into episode nine, he had still, if he was intent on bringing in Palpatine at that point, then he still could have given us something. Like, could have, like, given us, like, you know, 30, 45 minutes into the movie, put some, like, breadcrumbs in to show, like, how all of this had been fitting into the whole trilogy, and then given us some kind of Palpatine reveal. But I, like, having... You were shocked at how quickly it happened. I, like, oh, I, he's alive. Oh, there I, he is. I, I, like, I had such a viscerally negative reaction to it, Kyle, like, in a way that is, like, everyone's listening to me on this podcast. <laughs> I am always the, like, well, no, but actually it was really good guy. I You and, are, like, you are. Yeah. I was sitting there next to Candace my wife and I was just like, I, this is what? Like, you're going to bring back one of the biggest figures in the entire saga here in like the first sentence of on like of the scrolling text. And then like the first scene, just like, oh yeah, here he is kind of like in the shadows. I did think he was probably going to be a character that was like a force ghost or he was just hearing a voice. So I too was very surprised to actually see, oh, he's physically there. Like he's, he's actually a, a person. He survived somehow. And that was a little shocking. And if he was going to, and if he was going to be there, I still like what I would want. And, and I know that like not every question has to be answered. And part of the, the coolness of it all is the mystery, but I still want to show like how the heck he fits in to the, like the past two episodes more than just like oh here are like Snoke body parts in these tanks that I but I think that I think that you and critics I guess were just not able to get past that one point I mean it's foundational right I I just I guess I just accepted it I'm, like I was like okay it is I think. yeah I, I guess yeah it's it's just hard for me because I'm not saying you should by the way I'm not saying you should I'm just saying no but I yeah, think that's the I difference. think you're right I mean because whenever I look back at the movie. By, there, there are a few other issues that I had, but by and large, most of them are the bookends. Like, the way it starts with Palpatine, I was not great with. And then once we get past that and, and get back with, like, our main cast, loved it pretty much right up until the final confrontation with Palpatine, which I liked elements of. I did not, I did not dislike the ending as much as I disliked the beginning, but I did feel like it just, like, it, Don't gloss over some of the amazing things that you just glossed over, though. Well, no, no, no. I no. mean, when Ray accidentally electrocutes the ship, that is no, such no, no. a and cool that's what moment. I'm saying. Where you're yeah. like, "Oh my gosh, who is she?" No, I'm and I'm and I'm happy to go back through like the things that were that were good. I I do just like I think it's just it's interesting because you know there were all the jokes online about how the script for the Rise of Skywalker was just Star Wars Reddit, <laughs> and there is a part of me that like I think. You know, whether J.J. Abrams had intended to bring Palpatine back all along and just didn't execute it well, or whether you're right and it was just a reaction to like, wow, people really didn't like the newness. Let's like inject some more nostalgia in here at the end. Regardless, it felt like the movie kind of buckled under the weight of the fan service to me with like having to carry Palpatine. I, I don't know what it is, Rob. I guess, I, you know, I knew Palpatine was in the movie like six months ago. I didn't know it'd be like that, and I didn't know he'd be alive. And, and you that's know, an interesting— We knew the actor was there. It's interesting to me because I've always said that I think J.J. Abrams makes some of the best trailers around, and I, there's a part of me that almost wonders if this is, like, the first movie I can think of that relies on viewers having already seen the trailer, if that makes sense. 
Because that's the only reason I would think you would ever introduce the character well, that perfunctorily is this idea that like, well, you all know he's back. You've all been like reading the buzz. You've all seen the trailer. So like, let's just get into it, you know? <laughs> yeah, he was also at Comic-Con, the actor. Right. Um, they brought him out as like a big reveal after that trailer. So I think you're right. I think I was just emotionally prepared for it. <laughs> right. Um, okay, but moving on. That's a huge thing, obviously, for some people, and some people were able to get over it. I still did love the movie because, I th again, my bar was low, but there were so many times during the film where I was going, yes. Oh, yeah, yes, yeah. No, yes, totally. like, thank you. They're doing it. Yes, they're doing it. The only major plot point that I think I would have changed, the Palpatine thing's one. Um, the, I think I would have let Kylo live at the end. Yeah. And I'm not saying they had to kiss. I, I, I could take or leave the kiss. I... I'm okay with them if they romantically get together, you know, in the in the future in our imagination, or <laughs> if they did, or if they didn't. But I did love that they, again. They were the driving force for all three movies sure. for me, and so there was so much good Kylo Ren and Ray stuff happening. I think the best scene in the entire film was their lightsaber battle on the the water Death Star thingy. And then how she does kill him, she feels so bad because he's distracted about his mom. And it's I did love the entire plot point for the three movies of Ray being conflicted by Ray inherently being bad and fighting it to being good, you know? Right. And Kylo kind of inherently being good and fighting it to being bad I by think being, that, a, no, by I think being that, a solo. Yeah. I think that is interesting. So, I, sorry, I'm just waxing, but that whole bit was my favorite thing about the whole thing. I, when she's crying to heal him and she does heal him because she's torn, right. but she she knows he's a thorn in his side. And then when they finally do get back together and she drops the lightsaber to him and he's like a renewed guy, it was so cool to me, that stuff. No, it, yeah, and you're right. And I shouldn't, I shouldn't gloss over some things that were done well. Lar like most prominently of all, I think, Adam Driver and Daisy Ridley's performances. I mean, Adam Driver was unbelievable, dude. Yeah. Like, to me. Although, I will say, like, and, and you know, sort of by contrast to some of the things we said about, about Endgame, after watching Rise of Skywalker, and this is not even the fault of that movie in particular as much as maybe just the trilogy, and again, like, to your point, like, it needed a Kevin Feige or somebody that was, like, that had a very clear idea of what the trilogy as a whole should be because I do get the sense that some characters were just not handled super well and like their storylines were not really fleshed out in the way well, that like that was seemingly promised by even the force awakens like yes i agree i love what happened with for the most part what happens with kylo ren and with ray but i was just sitting there thinking like I, I don't really know what Finn's story was in this trilogy, Kyle. Oh, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on. Before you get off Kylo Ren, I feel like if he had survived, like I don't know that his um, arc was fully complete when he died. So again, ignore the kiss. You can feel, you could hate the right, kiss. You could right. love the kiss. I'm just saying, I think I wish he had survived and like we had gotten a chance to see what a shot of like him and Ray like kind of co-leading the good side now could right. have looked like going forward to play right. it kind of like the same as Luke dying and then Darth Vader actually dying by saving Luke and killing the Emperor. I don't think it had that kind of impact because he hadn't had that kind of time yet to fully get there, right? Because Kylo Ren started off as like not a fully developed bad guy. So the first two movies, seven and eight, are him growing into his badness, whereas Darth Vader, four, five, and six, he's already just bad guy. So the only way he can go with a shock is to turn good. Kylo, I just think, could have used a little more redemption in living, I think, 
and like what that would have been like for him to now have to go through life knowing he did all these bad things, but now he's choosing to be good. Does that make sense? No, that does make sense. Okay. Um, and Well, then regarding the Finn thing, I agree, I think. I mean, it's very well acted, but if they had a better sure. plan of what that character was going to come from and go to, it probably could have been more developed. Like, I liked that they were hinting, again, as a not reversing of Last Jedi, they were hinting that he's force aware, force sensitive, as they say. Right. And I liked that because, again, it kind of is giving this idea that maybe it can come from anybody, which is right. not a retcon of Last, Last Jedi. So, again, why did you hate The Last Jedi but love this movie? I don't get that. But right. <laughs> but they didn't get a chance to, like, fully develop that, really. And and what's his, like, friendship slash romantic role with Ray? that's what I mean. Yeah, they didn't get a chance to fully develop that. So, yeah, it's not a perfect movie. I agree with that. Well, and, and even, like, I guess my thing is it's not that I needed the story to go one way or the other, well, it's just that I wanted it to go one way. <laughs> like Finn, I think Finn is the one that I think of, of this the most with, although I think the same argument could be made for Poe. Um, I, and, and you know, we can debate this just purely from a storytelling perspective that again, at the end of The Last Jedi, I feel like we had been left in a place where Finn kind of had a trajectory, like he and Rose, like even if they didn't have a romantic thing, had kind of like been learning their own lesson together. I know a lot of people did not like Rose's character. I, but I think regardless, you can't just like write her out, which is sort of what happened. And on my second watch, I didn't feel as strongly about that. I, I, I thought the first time I saw it, like, oh my gosh, they obviously just like wrote her out. They obviously cut her out. On the second watch, yeah. I'm like, well, it wasn't as bad as I thought. It's still not great. But she does have some lines, and, like, it does make sense that her role would be helping Leia at the base. I mean, she's not a she's not going to be on the ship with Poe and Rey as, like, the two best sure. starfighters in the galaxy. But I, sure, get but, I, but I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Yeah, but I just, like, if you're going to introduce her as being, like, a pretty important person in Finn's story and then not really have her and Finn have really any meaningful moments together— like, and that to me is just, you know, we talked about this a little bit with Captain Marvel. Another missed again, opportunity, like the, by the way, is that they should have killed her in Last Jedi. And that could have, yeah, and that totally could, well, yeah, I mean, that could totally could have spurred Finn on in some interesting ways in the final movie. Exactly. You know? If she had like kissed him and said, protecting what we love, and then she had died, it would have been like, now that's why he's like, got extreme motivation to, you know, so. Totally. That was a missed opportunity. But to me, like, I, it, yeah, maybe. Although, you know, I, I think from what I've heard, I think Ryan Johnson just really liked that character. And again, I think that this is one of the things the Star Wars fans like really hated Rose. I I like Kelly Marie Chan. I think that, you know, we talked about this a little bit with, with Captain Marvel. One thing that like, just to go back to what you were saying at the beginning of the episode, like however you feel about movies and about characters, like don't troll people online and be yeah right <laughs> just hateful like right. it's like it's it's crazy the stuff that happened to Kelly Marie Tran after this like when you read about some of the stuff she was receiving like it's just like it, well, you hate and, it, and Ryan Johnson both of them oh totally totally but it's just like you hate to see that and especially like I, I think part of why that people have crazy. reacted so so viscerally to her character being pulled back and, and I don't actually like I like to think that this is not what happened. I actually saw 
an interview where the too. writers of Rise of Skywalker were saying, you know, the reason Rose's character was pulled back is because a lot of the stuff that they had intended, a lot of the scenes they had intended was for her Leia. was with Leia and the CGI didn't really work out with having to recreate Carrie Fisher. And I totally understand that. I hate the way that it continues this narrative, though, that, okay, well, all of these, like, kind of toxic online— It almost, like, teeny bit justified what they did. Right. Because they There's got like her out of the vindication there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and I, I, again, I like to think that that's not what happened. Like, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt there, but it is, like— but even even taking you know taking all of the outside kind of politics out of it, just from a storytelling perspective, one of the things that it just again made me realize because I had some of the same some of the same issues here that I did with like the final season of Game of Thrones when we're talking about the way that all of these things ended. It makes me really respect the fact that like gosh, like Endgame, the number of of plates that these guys were spinning, like the the number of threads and, and it was arguably even more than this, maybe. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, again, the nice thing is you had one guy overseeing every single one of these movies, right? So, like, you didn't have to do any massive course corrections. But at the same time, like, if you, you know, you can go character by character, whether it's characters you love or characters you don't care about as much. And I think the argument can be made that every person that you see in any Marvel movie all the way through Endgame kind of had a complete arc, like every main character. It's, it's absolutely jaw-droppingly unbelievable. <laughs> I don't know how else to say it. The movie, right. Endgame closed the biggest franchise, arguably of all time, after whatever, 12 years, whatever it was, it closed it by satisfying critics and satisfying fans, pushing narratives forward and closing everybody's arc. Yeah. It like give, like give and, and that's what's, I mean, giving fan service while also like totally pulling the rug out, like, you know, a la Ryan Johnson, when we talk about what happens with like Hulk and Thor, and even, you know, even to some degree what happens with Cap, you know, it's like, yeah, it's crazy. And that's the first thing I looked over. And obviously, yes, we know I'm like a Marvel fanboy, but I actually think that I'm trying to put on like my neutral hat here. But the first thing I told Candace afterwards was like, man, this just makes me respect even more how much, the final Avengers movie stuck the landing because it's like, well, I'll, I'll add to that too and say, not only respect, I'm so thankful because I went through so much emotional (laughs) turmoil arguing over the last Jedi that while again, to tie back our very first episode ever, that's why I was so nervous watching Endgame. I was like, please don't let this be a last Jedi situation where I walk out of this and have to argue with all other fans about how bad Endgame was. And I think it was good. Right. I was so terrified of that. The fact that I could get through that and it was actually just legit. Amazing is incredible. I'm so thankful it turned out that way. Now I can always look back and not have to give an asterisk. I know the star Wars franchise is always going to have like a side note to it of like, well, there were some clunky things and the prequels aren't very good and some of the acting in the original is not great <laughs> and then the plot point was weird and then, seriously though, right. you know? With these movies, you can go, with Marvel, you can go, well, there's some individual movies that aren't great, but for the most part, it all flows. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, and again, it's just like in a year where where a lot of things came to an end and famously, you know, ended a bit wobbly. Like, I, I think even... Well, and I never I never watched Game of Thrones, but I, I heard the same thing happen there. Right. People were all up in arms about how it ended. Yeah, it's just whenever you have to to tie all that stuff together, 
it's just such a it's such a feat. And again, that's why like I want to give JJ Abrams his his due credit. Like I do think that he made two like really great looking movies, well written movies, well acted movies. Like and that says a lot, you know, in itself. I just yeah, just right there, boom. Right, right. You're at so you're at seventy percent in my mind now. Just yeah, right, right there. Right. I mean, you've already I, I think overcome a lot of the issues that have traditionally plagued Star Wars. Yeah, and so this is not a movie that I walked out of hating by any means. Um, to me, it's just like this is an interesting uh, an interesting example of what happens when you have kind of the creative side up against sort of like the the fandom corporate side. And, and I'm just, again, I feel like this strained a bit because it felt to me like a movie where J.J. Abrams wanted to make everybody happy. And I think that, that what you get is, is a bit of a, of a Frankenstein's monster of a finale. <laughs> I want to just say that I don't know if I came off positive enough. As we kind of alluded to, I did really like it. I texted Robbie and said, I loved it. That was the right. word I used. Like an initial like gut reaction ranking, I had it as like the fourth or fifth best Star Wars movie. So like I did really, really like it, exceed my expectations. And because this is not a normal rewatch episode, I mean, I do have notes of all kinds of things that I loved. I'm not going to get into them because that's not what this podcast is for. We kind of just wanted to look at the big picture stuff. But there were so many little things that were cool to me, so many moments in Rise of Skywalker where I was going, yes, yes, yes. And I did <laughs> like the fast-paced nature. There was a lot that I liked about it. I really, as a fan and enjoyed it. I just, to tie everything back up, come back to my original statement. It's still confusing to me. And maybe fans can reach out to me on Twitter, reach out to friends from work and let me know because I'm still confused. My argument is that I liked nine because it didn't fully, in my opinion, reverse everything that I liked about eight. But I would love to hear why did you love nine? If you hated eight and loved seven, what about nine was so different to you you know that you hated episode eight. Right. So, and because I still can't figure that out, Robbie. That's the part I still can't figure out. Like, I understand that there was some work done, you know, like they a little bit give more nostalgia than Last Jedi does and it embraces the old a little more and they did retcon raise parents a little bit, but it was not a complete retcon. So and and, and I think what's interesting, what I would ask people, because I'm I'm curious, is I think watching The Last Jedi, Ryan Johnson who, by the way, is a massive, massive Star Wars fan, still approaches it with a little bit of a of a wink and a little bit of a reverence. And I, sometimes I wonder if, if even though you still have similar plot points, there's like a, a tone shift between the J.J. Abrams films and the there Ryan Johnson is. film. Yep, and I, there definitely I, maybe is. Maybe that's the thing. You know, maybe it's like people don't, people want reverence. <laughs> people want, you know, these are their characters and don't. That's fair. Know, I don't know. That's fair. But that's fair. I'll hear you on that. But let's hear from other people too. But I, I agree with that. That's interesting. It definitely has a different tone. But I am curious. Oh, sorry, I'm just I'm repeating myself, but I do agree <laughs> with what you're saying. But I am curious, like yeah, I mean, because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have at least been following these movies, you know, like me, or maybe are like a big Star Wars <laughs> fan like Kyle. And so, so sometimes your arguments are so good that I'm left stunned, speechless. That's what just happened there. <laughs> I'm trying to in the moment process, like, yeah, you're right, that's true. And that's a good point, Rob. But that's <laughs> I'm just kind of like taken back by that. La last thing, did you catch the two kind of like it's impossible not to see the two endgame shout outs? Oh I know my they gosh. didn't directly yeah, thank do you for it. That up. But how crazy, if you're a Marvel fan, isn't that wild that 
they end the movie by saying, and I am all of the Jedi, <laughs> right? Like basically, and I am Iron Man. Come on, that, I mean, that's seriously, even that's the, a huge even the parallel. Pause. And then the portals. How about the portals yep, though? Yep, yep, Like, I mean, identical, like Poe saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I just thought we'd win. I don't know what to do. I'm doing it. And then all of a sudden, we're all here, just like on your left. What does he say? But you're not alone. Right. And right. Uh, it's just like on your left. And then he pulls up and sees everybody coming out of the quote unquote light speed, AKA portals. Like, right. there's no way to not see that parallel. That was funny to me yeah. i'm not saying it's good or bad i just thought wow that's that's crazy how directly those are tied i i want to say one more thing that I, I this might sound negative i don't intend it to be negative but i've had several people reach out to me and say oh well it's basically just star wars as a marvel movie because they know i'm like the marvel guy and i i do feel like that's I the most like offensive thing to, anyone's ever said to me <laughs> I, I know i know i feel like i have to address that because we're doing a, a marvel podcast episode about a star wars movie and i've heard that so many times now and this kind of at some point you know we'll talk about comic book movies in general beyond just the mcu because i think there's an interesting conversation to be had there but one thing that i i want to push back against is just like anytime you have a movie that has a bunch of special effects and like is really epic and has this like massive culmination that it's just kind of going to be lumped in with every Marvel Cinematic Universe film. Quite the contrary. The thing that Endgame did the absolute best was keep it small picture as far as right. character uh, driven, relationship driven. Right, right. Which again, and, and that's one thing that I think makes Endgame feel like what makes that Portals moment feel so great is you have a whole long what like Two hours, two hours and 15 minutes (laughs) of just like kind of slow burn. I mean, like you have a lot going on, but you don't have like a a ton of huge action pieces, you know? Oh, no doubt. It's so much character moment. And and I'm not going to get into Endgame. My point is it's like I I don't want – we always talk about this fatigue and this like, oh, you know, it's just like all of these like kind of thoughtless like blockbusters as though like every movie. Don't love Marvel in that category. Right. That's DC. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's yeah. what I'm saying. That, that, and that's an episode for another time. But I just thought it was interesting. I don't know. I don't know why people are, are necessarily making that comparison. But it all it almost like yeah, it feels feels like they're just trying to attack me personally. Maybe um, <laughs> no. I think you hit the nail nail on the head there. You said it yourself. You said you know the epic proportion of it. Some of the special effects being good, the culmination of something ending is what they're assuming you would enjoy by them saying that. Right. What they don't realize is I'm with you. I think there's so much actual more depth and character work done in the Marvel Universe than this. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And, and I think, again, that's that's part of that is just a conversation that we'll have to continue to have as like there's more and more pushback. I mean, like the Golden Globes talking about how, you know, Marvel movies are just like a chance for for ripped people to be on screen. And it's like, I, I just think it, it's like the the so-called superhero fatigue, whether that's real or not, like as more more like fan service franchise movies come out, it's like all of the, like, the good and the bad and the mediocre all get lumped in together. And I just think that it's, oh, it's, so it's, true. you know, it's like fine to call something bad, bad, or fine to call something mediocre, mediocre, but just because things are in the same genre, like there's no reason to paint in such broad strokes all the time. Like it's, it's like, I'm not going to say that every indie movie is, is boring or every indie movie is like amazingly nuanced. Like, Indie movies are like every kind of movie is its own movie. You know, every film is its own film. And so 
I just think that in a year where, again, we had so many things close out, those all of those finales looked different, had their own benefits and their own detriments. And I, again, the reason I love the Marvel Cinematic <laughs> Universe thus far is I just think, you know, like it's been remarkably steady up to this point. So it's knock on wood, but so well said. And I love that it took this episode to get that kind of visceral, passionate response from Robbie. We <laughs> were amazing. We're like, what 30 episodes of this podcast? And I just got the most visceral reaction. Like that was a very Kyle thing to say there. Yeah. That's I right. Yeah. We have it. a little role reversal here. Yeah, we do. Also, I might just, it's like, yeah, I'm going to call this episode, the rise of Robbie Earl. Instead of Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> it's just kind of coming out of him. Guys, this is what's funny about this podcast. First of all, if you're listening this long, I apologize I went this long, but Robbie and I could legit keep going for another hour. We're not <laughs> oh, going easy. to for your sake, but if you made it this long, thank you so much for listening. We are always so grateful for you guys out there, and maybe this was way too much of a left turn for you, and we apologize for that, but you can skip over it next time. <laughs> We still want to hear your feedback on social media. So if you liked Rise of Skywalker, if you didn't like it, if you think we're crazy in these points about The Last Jedi and this movie, let us know at the FFW Podcast. On Thursday, we're going to return to our regularly scheduled programming with the Saga So Far episode. We're going to wrap up Phase 2, so that'll be fun. And then the week after that, the following Monday, is Age of Ultron, which is awesome and a conclusion to our Phase 2. So we're excited about all that. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Subscribe to us wherever podcasts are found. This has been Friends from Work. We'll see you next time.